nothing, it, nothing in your life is going to change if you don't change something. You can't keep doing the same things over, and it's the definition of insanity, doing the same things over and over and over again and expecting a different result. Like you've got to at some point take a leap and do something that makes you severely uncomfortable. And sometimes it's not gonna pan out. And that that's okay. Like you just gotta try again. Welcome to the Sonico Project, hosted by myself, Travis Marshall, and Pat Forstall. The purpose of our show is to talk with those that have inspired us and discuss challenges in life, past and present. We hope these stories push you to chase new challenges and press on. Overall, we hope to build a community that lives out our mantra of someday never comes. Thank you for tuning in and enjoy the show. Team Sonico, welcome. Appreciate you guys joining us today. Uh, today, special episode, we got Amy Simpkins on with us, uh, head of uh, system athletics at a Jersey. Um, excited to dive into system athletics and then also just uh, hear a little bit about Emmy's training philosophy and any knowledge she can spread to us and the team. Um, Emmy, welcome. Thank you for joining us. Uh, we appreciate having you on and uh, for you being here, and uh, we're excited. No, thanks for having me, guys. I'm super pumped, so thank you, guys. Awesome. And, uh, and thank you guys both for your service, and um, just want to kick it off by saying that I love I love your guys' message. I think uh, I think it's amazing. I, I'm not sure if you guys saw my post that I actually made yesterday on, the, on my business account on System Athletics Instagram, but I capped it someday never comes so let's go. yeah let's go i love that no i love it i i really do i think it's i think it hits home for a lot of the i it hits home with a lot of the things that how i coach and and uh, a big message behind my my community so that's cool it's yeah it's been it's been cool to see how i feel like now that we've kind of coined it no i wouldn't say coined it but that we've been you know using the phrase like i've seen it kind of come up and more and more in other people's sentiments too we um we had a guest speaker in class yesterday. It was a retired major general. Uh, he was like five years old living in uh, Hawaii when Pearl Harbor happened. And he went on to serve. He went to West Point. He was a, um, uh, a fighter pilot in the Air Force. His name is um, Perry Smith. I'm, I'm, I feel like I just messed up his last name. I'll have to double check on that. But he was, yeah, retired major general. He's an author. Super cool guy. And he's like 89 years old now. And it was so sharp. Um, and he was kind of given out like what he, his like leadership philosophy and like what he believes a leader should have. And one of the things he brought up was compassion. And the reason I'm bringing this up is because he was talking about compassion. He was saying that like, you know, don't let, uh, you know, basically don't let like time go by and like not telling that person, like you love them or like what they mean to you or like what they're doing in your life. And to me, it was like, yeah, something never comes like, you know, you can't put that thing off. You never know, um, you know for him, he was like talking about being in, in like a dangerous situation where like his like life might be on the line and he like didn't want to regret like never saying this thing. So just like that, so it never comes. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, Emmy, 
question for you. Actually, you know, to start off to to let everybody know how Emmy and I know each other. Uh we met I don't what year was that? Was that twenty nineteen? Was it it was was it before COVID? I think it was twenty I think so, yeah. It was yeah. before yeah. COVID, yeah. Before COVID, yeah. So twenty nineteen. So, yeah, twenty nineteen. We started training for uh Ironman Roanoke, which was a seventy point three down in Roanoke, Virginia. And we did some training rides, training runs, all fun stuff. But during the during the actual Mar- or Ironman, uh, I remember. So I it took me about an hour to swim, you know, a mile. <laughs> Meanwhile, Emmy and all the other people that we uh, were do, uh, competing with took about you know probably thirty minutes, something like that. I don't know. What, I don't know what you finished in, but I was definitely far behind you guys. Well, also I want to just chime in and say that like. Travis also just on a limb was like, yeah, I'll do it with you guys. <laughs> yeah. yeah, Travis was probably leading out some of the story. Yeah, literally, he was like, ah, man, that sounds fun. I'll do it. And then we literally were like, seriously? And he's like, yeah, why not? So, you know, Travis was on minimal training and still crushed it. <laughs> I just, yeah, I just gotten back from deployment and Amy hit me up. was like, yo, you want to do, this? or Callie, your sister hit me up and was like, do you want to do this? And I was like, let's go, let's do it. Um, so I guess I was embracing the something never comes back then too. So it's good That's to hear. Good. It's good to good to reevaluate and see that. Um, but so halfway through the bike, you know, the whole time I'm like, I'm far back in the field because everybody else is like a fish. I'm pretty slow swimming. Didn't do any training at all. And then I'm like, you know what? I got to catch them. I got to catch them. I got to catch them on this bike. There's a huge hill in the Roanoke Ironman. I remember going up the hill and I'm like, I'm going to find Emmy. There was a yeah, there was a point where it was like a seventeen percent grade, which is pretty insane. On a bike, yeah. it's so miserable. Like yeah, it was insane, and there was people walking off to the side, like just carrying their bikes, walking up the hill. And I remember this point vividly. We came around a corner. We were like going around a bend. And there was a guy sitting up on the top of the top of the corner, just taking pictures. And I was like, oh, that'd be a cool picture. And then like two years later. Emmy sends me a message with the cutout of uh, USA Triathlon, and it's me and Emmy grinding up this hill. Grinding up this hill. Like a two-page picture, like a massive picture. Oh. I was like... <laughs> That's so sick. Where are your royalties from that, right? Yeah. We should. Credit. Oh. That's that was awesome, that. though. We, 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 we climbed that. We did, like, the majority of the bike together. Like, we got up that hill together. Because I remember yeah. Travis was like, Travis was behind, and then all of a sudden I hear like Emmy, and it's just, I look behind me and it's just Travis like coming right up, and I'm like yes, and you know you had kind of like knew the course at this point, like you you knew what to expect, you knew like I forget what they called the the climb there. They had like a it was like Death Hill or something. It was <laughs> yeah, like um or like it might even become like the crawl or something because literally you have to like crawl up this thing, and it was right as we're like approaching this like insane climb to get to the top of the blue ridge um parkway and so travis and i basically did that entire climb together just chatting and like you know encouraging other people to like stick with it and stay on it um you know people that were getting off their bikes and walking and you know just it's just the two of us just trekking up and then then by the time we got to the blue ridge mountain or the blue ridge parkway travis was like see ya <laughs> and then he just took off and left me in the dust 
what was what was your mindset going through that because i remember it being absolutely miserable and like my legs burning like what was going through your mind when you're doing that oh i think in like those situations like you know being a competitive athlete and you know now into like switching into like more of the coaching like philosophy and mindset like you you, a lot of things you go through your head right like you're you want to be competitive like you see other people like getting off your bike and you're like I'm not gonna like falter I'm not gonna I'm gonna stay the course like this is what we train for this is what we do this is how we do it and like I think like some of the best advice that I've also ever gotten like through difficult times whether it's like physically training or mental moments or whatever it's like like the clock doesn't stop right like time keeps ticking you got to keep moving and eventually like the pain's going to be over, you know, and like in, in competitive and physical endurance, like I just remind myself, like, it's not always going to feel like this. It's going to be done soon, you know? Um, so like on that climb, you know, you know, the climb is going to end at some point. And so for me, it was just like, just one foot in front of the other, keep pushing down the pedal, keep pushing down the pedal, try to find some moments of like, relief you know and take advantage of those moments and then push through it again find a moment of relief push through it again um so yeah i would say that 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 was probably the number one thing like going through my head like it's not it's not always going to be this bad it's not yeah. the rest of the time, it's not going to be this bad yeah it's funny you say that especially since you own you know system athletics which you guys do a lot of cross crossfit training and stuff like that and i i've done a few crossfit workouts I've done a few with you and then also just a few in general. And that is the exact mindset that I have in every CrossFit workout. I'm like, it's got to end. Like (laughs) at some point it'll end. (laughs) It's going to end one way or the other, whether the clock is going to stop and the workout's done or I'm going to finish. Or I'm passed out. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, All right. Moving on to system athletics. Like what, can you just tell us a little bit about your journey getting to system athletics and then we can get in and then we can dive into system athletics. Yeah. yeah. I'd love to hear, like some of your, you talked about being an athlete and whatnot too. Like I would love to just hear more about your kind of background and upbringing. Yeah, cool. Steven. Um, grew up a soccer player, uh, mom and dad threw my sister and I into every single sport you can name. Like there, we were always doing something, always trying something, always learning something new. Um, but soccer was like the one sport that really stuck with my sister and I. And so, um, I ended up getting a scholarship to play at Rutgers University and my sister got a scholarship to play at Duke. Um, so both division one soccer players, um, I would ended up being the captain at Rutgers and, um, yeah, so obviously a competitive athlete at a, at a high level, my entire life played semi-pro in Canada for a season. Um, and then I was introduced, my sister Callie actually introduced me to CrossFit. Um, it was after, uh, my, red shirt juniors junior year at Rutgers we had had probably the worst season in like program history and you know I was a captain so you take a lot of responsibility for that like for that happening and I remember going into the coach's office all the captains we went into the coach's office at the end of the season and they brought us all in and they were like you guys are done like heading into spring season there are no more no more captains no more guaranteed starting positions like it is a clean slate for everybody. Like we need to see that, you know, these positions mean something and that you're going to lead by example and, you know, lead this team to a better season next year. Mm -hmm. 
So I just remember like, that was like probably one of the first times in my life that something was like taken away from me. Not the first time, but like a really prominent moment that something was like, what I felt was taken away from me, right? And I remember being like so distraught about it, extremely upset. And, you know, you want to point the fingers and you don't want to take responsibility yourself. And I remember going home for Christmas break and my sister was home as well. And she was like, hey, like, come, come to CrossFit with me. And I was like, no, that's so stupid. Like, it's so, that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard of, blah, blah, I'm not going to do that. And I was so reluctant on going. And finally, like one day I caved, I went with her and it was like one of the biggest wake up calls of my life of being like, holy shit. One, you're not as good as you think you are. And two, <laughs> you are very out of shape. And um, and so I remember for Christmas, because we were home for winter break, I'd ask my parents, I was like, hey, can you guys pay for my first three months at this CrossFit gym near Rutgers? Uh, and I quote, I put near Rutgers in quotation marks because it was like a 30, 35 minute drive away. It was the closest one uh, back then. Yeah, yeah. And, so I came back from winter break and I started going to CrossFit 908 in Berkeley Heights, New Jersey. And I would go every single morning to the 6 a.m. class and I would train there and I would come back to Rutgers and I would go to practice. And I just had like this, like this period of my life. And it was probably like that three month period was like a major like mindset shift for me. Like actually having to work for something that you felt like was taken away from you or you lost and you know what it meant to like really find what's important to you and how to either keep it or get it back um and so i remember going into spring season i passed all my fitness tests and which was the first time ever like i when i tell you i never passed a fitness test when i was at Rutgers, like ever passed on my fitness test had a great spring season came back for my senior season had a pretty good season and you know i really attribute that to the lessons I learned in a, in a CrossFit gym, you know, like keep showing up. It's not always going to be this bad. You're not as good as you think you are. There's always room for improvement. Um, and then like the community aspect too, like the, the owners of CrossFit 908 have since that, since that moment have been two of my best friends, like now we're moving on to like 13, 14 years of friendship and, you know, also, I consider them like my mentors as far as like business. And so um, I remember like nearing the end of my soccer season, like my soccer career per se, I remember I was training at, at CrossFit 908 and my, and then the owner, Tim Carroll had said to me, like I had made like a lot of improvement. I had like picked up a lot of skills. My conditioning was getting better. I was always really strong. So like I had that in my corner already. And um, I remember him saying to me one day, he goes, like, you could be really good at this. And I just remember like being like startled, like, what do you mean? Like, I'd be good at this, good at like exercising? Like, yeah. <laughs> like what's, what does that mean? And, and he was like, well, I'm actually, he's like, I like a bunch of us are going up to Boston in a couple of weeks for this, for what is considered like the CrossFit regionals. And it was at the Reebok headquarters in Boston. And, and he was like, you should come. Like, I, I think you would, like, it would be really cool for you to experience it. And I was like, all right, cool. Like, yeah, absolutely. Like got a hotel room and I dragged my sister with me. Uh, I was like, you dragged me to my first CrossFit class. You're coming to this first conversation with me. Yeah. Like, let's go. Um, so dragged her to Boston with me and I was a spectator at this point. 
And watching like that weekend, I just remember I was sitting with my sister and she says it to me to this day. She goes, dude, I'll never forget the day that we were sitting in the stands and like you were watching Tim out there, watching all these people. And you looked at me and you literally said, she's like, you were like, I'm going to be out there. Like, yeah. I'm going to be out there next. Oh, and, yeah. Um, and sure enough, like two years of like consistent training, I qualified uh, to be out there. And then I qualified again and again. And that just kind of like snowballed. Uh, into my competitive CrossFit career. And, you know, I became a, a high level CrossFit athlete. I traveled all over, did all the really big competitions. Um, and then in December of 2017, I was in Dubai uh, competing actually. And uh, I endured like a pretty severe neck injury that I honestly, that I didn't even know about. Um, I had kicked up into a parallel handstand push up, and I was coming down and I came down the wrong way. And I'd like felt like a little like twist in my neck. And, you know, I was, this was like my first made like major, major, major competition. And I'm out there with all like the big heavy hitters in, in the CrossFit world. Um, and I was holding my own, like I was doing really, really well. And, um, that happened. And I remember getting out on the competition floor and I, I'd done that in the warm up. And I got out on the competition floor and I went to go like do one of the push-ups, and I couldn't push anymore. Like I'm physically like there was nothing. And I just thought like, maybe it was fatigue. Like maybe it was like, oh, maybe I just can't do this. And I was fortunate enough that I had my physical therapist that had traveled with me. And he was like, dude, he's like, you're really messed up. Like, I think you should withdraw from this competition. Like you're not okay. And, you know, I was again, very stubborn and, you know, didn't want to listen to that. And, you know, you don't make a lot of money as like a low, like, I don't want to call myself like a low level competitor, but I wasn't sponsored by Reebok or Nike or any of these other like major companies that these other girls were sponsored by. Like I had to pay my own way to get there. I had to pay for my own hotel. So, and if you qualified for this, you, you got paid for, for qualifying, but you only got paid out if you finished the competition. Mm. So um, yeah. I like had forced myself to finish this competition as best as I could. And when I tell you like the amount of pain that I was in, like just physical and mental pain, like it was, it was really tough. Like I like have like vivid memories of like how I was feeling. And, you know, again, <laughs> I was, I couldn't pay for like the Emirates flight and business class. So we're flying back on like some Russian airline and I'm in like in a middle seat, like, <laughs> like economy. And I'm just like in so much pain. We had a nine hour layover in oh. Moscow. Like, I'm just like, oh my gosh, this is awful. And, and what, uh, what were the repercussions from from that? Just the, oh, the neck injury itself. Oh, oh yeah, we're getting there. Okay, sorry. No, no, we we didn't. No one knew like what was going on. You know, like in my head, I'm like telling myself I'm being a little bitch. Like, what's wrong with you? Like, you're you're fine. Blah blah blah. And when I got back, I had taken a couple weeks off and. But then I had to prepare for another competition down in Miami that I was going to be doing. And I started, I took like a week, week and a half off from Dubai, like just let my body try to recover. And the second I started trying to train again, I started getting like all these really bizarre symptoms. Like my hands would like cramp up and like look like claws. Um, my forearms would just like, my like my forearms and my shins would felt like feel like they were like going to like self combust, like mm -hmm. uh, like the pressure that would like build up in them was like insane i'd be on the ground like screaming and i'm like what the fuck is going on with me and like i was going to doctors and like they no one could tell me what was wrong so like now you can see like the physical 
was now starting to affect the mental because I, you know, for me, working out is like an outlet, mm-hmm. you know, my stress. And now like that's being taken away from me as well. Mm. Long story short, finally, somebody told me to like, go see a neurologist. So I went and saw a neurologist. He ordered an MRI entire spine and he had lovely bedside manner of saying you could get in a fender bender leaving my, my office right now and be paralyzed from the neck down. And I just remember like breaking down, like in tears in that moment, he's like, I need to get you in for surgery like yesterday. Um, so this had like me going and seeing doctors and getting blood work and doing all this stuff had been going on like from January. And then I had surgery I had my next surgery in March. Um, so it was like an eight week battle of trying to figure out like what was going on. I had to withdraw from numerous competitions that I'd qualified for, um, and was expected to be at. And, um, so yeah, so then I had, I had my C, C5, C6, C6, C7. Uh, I had a artificial disc put in. So I had two options. I could either fuse my neck or put an artificial disc in. And he had said, he goes, you know, if I fuse your neck, I can't undo that. He goes, but if I put an artificial disc in, we can test that out. If that doesn't work, I can go back in and I can fuse it. So we went with the artificial disc. Um, using this fusing actually mean like fusing the vertebrae together. Yeah. Together. Yeah. So amongst all this conversations with the surgeon, you know, cause he had ordered an MRI of my entire spine. He also had said, you know, the neck is the more pressing issue for me. He goes, however, like your lower back is atrocious. Uh, he was like, you know, you have a grade two, grade three spondylolisthesis. And I had known that I'd had it. Um, just from like soccer and getting x-rays and stuff like that. And it's been told to me prior, he goes, all right, well, it looks like we need to probably keep an eye on this. I was like, all right, whatever. So this is in March, have the surgery. Um, and honestly, it wasn't like a crazy recovery. Like it was, it was a really simple recovery. It was, it was scary surgery, obviously, but the recovery for that was probably one of the easiest that I've um, experienced, but coming back, you know, I have this mentality of like, oh, I'm fixed now. Like I, I, I'm going to be able to compete again. And keep in mind this, we're now in March, just had the surgery. Like, I think it was like an eight week recovery, eight to 12 week recovery. So March, April, May, June. All right. So now we're talking like June where I'm allowed to start training again, like training at like a, a, a level that I'm used to training at, but now yeah. it's been six months, right. Since January to June, and I haven't been able to train. So in my head, I'm like, fuck, I'm so behind everybody. Like I'm, I'm behind everybody. Like qualifiers are coming up in October, like I, September, October. Like I gotta, like, I've got to push the pedal. And sometimes when you push the limits, the limits push back. And, uh, uh, my legs started giving out in like the end of November, December area. And sure enough, went back to the surgeon and he was like, you're, grade three spondylolisthesis is now what we call unstable. And he was like, I've got to fuse your back. So in December of 2018, uh, you know, nine months after I just had neck surgery, they went in, uh, they did a two level fusion of my lower back. And that was probably the biggest turning point of like my competitive career. Like once that, because that was after the surgery and ended up being, it ended up being, I think it was like a nine or 10 hour surgery and it's not supposed to be that long. And so there was like a lot of complications that had happened throughout the surgery. When I woke up, um, 
I had to get a blood transfusion because I lost so much blood during the surgery. And it was like a really scary experience to like go through. And, you know, I was 28 at the time. Yeah, I was 28. And, um, you know, I'm still young. I'm still, I feel like I can conquer the world, but I don't think I realize, you know, hindsight's 2020 looking back, like the mental stress that put on like my friends and my family as well. Like seeing like your young friend, like go through that and like what I was willing to put myself through to be a competitor. Um, so it took a, it was a, that was a really long recovery mentally and physically. Like it was, I had to come to terms with accepting that I probably was never going to be able to compete at the level that I wanted to again and do the things that, um, I wanted to do or knew I could do or did once and wanted to be able to do again. Um, so what do you think was, what do you think was the most taxing on the mind? Was it the, was it that, that you had to grasp like the possibility of never competing again? Or was it, you know, the fact that you weren't able to use working out as a outlet for your stress and all that? No, I think it was, I think it was the former. I think, you know, for so long, I had used my competitive status as a means of my identity. Yeah. Mm. Right. So like people knew me as a CrossFit competitor. I was successful in my previous business um, being a co-owner of CrossFit Speakeasy because of who I was. And, or, and I shouldn't say because of who I was, because of what, who I thought people thought yeah. I was. Yeah. 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 And um again, you're young. You don't, you don't have that emotional intelligence to know that that's not why people came to my gym. You know, it might, yeah. they might have heard of me because I was a competitor and that might've drawn them to my gym, but that's not why they stayed. You know, you and is that, sorry. Yeah, I was just saying like, what do you, what do you think helped you like gain that perspective? I mean, you know, like, was there kind of like a turning point where you finally were just like, all right, I need to find a new identity. Like, how do you, how did you kind of come to grasp with like, maybe, you know, maybe this isn't what I need to put all my purpose in. I think, you know, experience and time, you know, you can't put, uh, I can't put like an exact moment on when I was like an aha moment. I think as I've gotten older and my priorities have changed, my, um, my values have changed. Right. And that all that stuff only happens with time and experience. And, uh, you know, I think that social media like really puts like a, it makes it a very difficult mm. to, to bridge that time gap, right? Like you, you know, I had thousands and thousands and thousands of followers. And then as soon as you stop competing, you lose thousands of followers and it's like, wow. And, but like, that's where I want to put my worth. Like, no, absolutely not. Like, my worth goes into my relationships with people that, you know, are important to me and into my business and into knowing that regardless of what I do, you know, how I do things and why I do things is more important. You know, uh, I think like one of my favorite, my favorite quotes from Simon Sinek, and it's something that I like really like harper my business on is like, people don't buy what you do. They buy why you do it. So that's awesome. I was, uh, 
was listening to a podcast last night. Um, it's called Doac D O A C by Stephen Bartell. I don't know if you guys have heard of it, but um, he brought on Arthur C. Brooks. This is actually a fascinating. A Arthur fascinating, Brooks is the man, dude. It was I, that's the first time I've heard him talk, and it was so cool hearing what he had to say. And they they, he, they called him like the happiness teacher and stuff yeah. like that. And I was like, dude, this guy's awesome, man. But he they he went into depth about um like happiness and going through hard times and then he related it to like divorces and he's like the people that uh, and i might be messing this up but he's but like the couples that don't struggle together don't stay together and he's like there's like a direct correlation to that and then he brought it back to the harvard business school uh, marshmallow experiment where they give little kids marshmallows and they put them in front of them i mean you, you probably heard of something similar to this but like the kids that took the marshmallow right away didn't reap the benefits of like holding out. It's like yeah. the most important thing. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like the most important thing in front of you right now may seem like something that you have to grasp right now, but it's like, it may be something down the road that's more important that's, that, that you're building towards. And yeah, it's like the discipline to get there. I think that's like a, a perfect segue into like how system athletics like came about. Right. Like, yeah. so, um, when I was 23, 24 years old, I had the opportunity to buy into uh, CrossFit Speakeasy, which is where I've been for the last like 10 or so years. Um, and, um, you know, I had a business partner there and very successful gym, you know, CrossFit gyms in, in general, I think really struggle um, for with, with revenues and profits and stuff like that. But we were fortunate enough that we had a great location um, being in Belmar, New Jersey, right on the Jersey shore. Um, very like high traffic area and then you know i'd like to attribute like my competitive career and me getting my name out there and being from crossfit speakeasy and that's where i trained and coached at um you know i'd like to say that 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 helped as well with the um with the membership so you know that's where i was the last 10 years and you know going back to to what you were just saying travis like, it, it, we can also attribute it to just being comfortable right like we get so comfortable in our day-to-day -day and our, like our routines and we're, we're so like almost like stuck in like these four walls. And, you know, it, it took me and my partner splitting for me to realize like that was the greatest thing that could have ever happened to me. Um, yeah. so last, uh, last year, February of last year, um, well, let's rewind a little bit. So going after, like, I realized that my competitive career was definitely dwindling down and coming to a halt. I got more into, you know, I've, I've always loved coaching. Um, I, I love coaching. I love, because I had somebody that believed in me and from Tim Carroll saying to me that one day, like, you could be really good at this. Like, all it took was one person to believe in me, right? Mm -hmm. And like, I can be that one person for somebody else. You know, I, I've, I've done my duty in this world. And I get the opportunity that like, I can do that on a regular basis for um, an eclectic amount of people, you know, from all walks of life. And I'm extremely grateful that I'm able to do that. And I love it. And I love coaching. I love pushing people. I love pushing myself. Um, I love watching people see that they are like, they're capable of more than what they thought they were. And um, so when I really like, started coming into that passion of coaching, I got into athletic performance training and I started training like a lot of like really high level athletes. And I love 
training one-on-one with athletes. I think that building a solid relationship with them based on trust, belief, accountability, like I, I think that you can really, really get to the root of people and, and I, and I just genuinely mean the root of people because that's what we do. We work with people. These aren't price tags. They're not dollar signs. They're people. Um, and get to like what their why is, you can get so much more out of them. So I do a lot of my one-on-one training uh, or a lot of my athletic performance training one-on-one, not in these like large groups that you see like a lot of these like performance places pumping people out of. So I really started doing a lot of that. I was still coaching my group fitness classes at at Speakeasy, but I was doing a lot of one-on-one. And I'm talking like division one, basketball players, all Americans. Uh, And then I got an opportunity in 2021 to train a professional tennis player. And that is probably the next big shift in my career was this opportunity because I got to train her, I got to travel with her. Obviously that now makes my reputation like, you know, a lot more valid and credible. Um, And, you know, a lot more people start reaching out to me about training and wanting to do this and wanting to work with me. And, you know, doors were opening up left and right. So when that happened, um, you know, I think my, uh, my business partner at the time was seeing an opportunity for him to be like, okay, well now I can maybe, you know, do this, run, run the speakeasy business the way I want to run it. And no, you don't no longer have to butt heads on, you know, big decisions that need to be made and stuff like that. So of February last year, um, on the, on lovely Valentine's day, uh, he handed me a, a letter with his intent to buy me out. And, and in all honesty, like, I remember that like very specifically. And I just kind of remember, like, there was almost like a sense of like relief, like yeah, almost like freedom kind yeah. of. And, and I said to him, I was like, listen, if this is the route that you want to go and that you think that this is best for the health of the business and stuff like that, like, I'm okay with it as long as it's done like a fair way, you know, yeah. there's, there's ways that like, you know, there's, it's not going to happen overnight. There's going to be a process that we're going to go through with this. And, you know, I'm okay with this split as long as it's done the fair and right way. And of course, you know, when money gets involved, that's never the case. So it was a tumultuous uh, few months. Um, and, you know, it ended up getting like pretty nasty. Um, you know, and I'm not, I, I don't want to, I don't want to point fingers. I'm not here to like highlight, you know, what he did or how he did it or what I did or what I didn't do. Like, I just like, for me, it was an extremely emotional. Cause again, like my identity was tied to this place. Like mm. I felt as though like that, like my entire world was being taken away from me. You know, all my friends go there. I developed all these coaches. Like I did like the programming, like we had created like essentially like I'd almost created like a brand out of that place. And I felt as though like I had put like my heart and soul into that place for the last 10 years. And then it's just, you get just pulled away from it. Taken out from underneath. Yeah. And, um, you know, I don't know how vulnerable you guys want me to get on this, on this podcast, but I went to like a very, very dark place mentally. Like my family was scared. My girlfriend was scared. My friends were scared. Um, you know, like, I completely didn't even know who I was. And at the same time, you know, it was like a, it was like a double whammy, you know, to, to, 
put a little humor into all of this, I had decided to pick up ice hockey and it's probably, <laughs> probably a means of distraction, but I, <laughs> I decided to pick up ice hockey. And on my first day of ice hockey practice during the warm up, I had a really awkward fall and dislocated my arm severely. And my, like, when I tell you that my humorous head, like where your shoulder comes up into your like shoulder joint, like where your arm don't, arm yeah. don't come up into your shoulder was down in my rib cage. Oh, it was awful. And it was dislocated for about two and a half hours because, you know, I'm like, <laughs> again, the competitive person in me is like, I'm out here with a bunch of fat dads. Like I'm an athlete. Like I can, like, I've got this. And then to fall in the first 90 seconds of hockey practice and be laying on the ground with my arm completely dislocated. I was like, Oh my God. And it, like, you know, like adrenaline starts setting in, like the pain hasn't set in yet. And I'm like, I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm, I'm trying to like roll over and pop it back in myself. It's not going in. I'm like, okay, this is bad. And then, so I get off the ice and I'm like, I'll drive myself to the hospital. My girlfriend's like, what do you mean you'll drive yourself to the hospital? Like, no. And then that's when the pain set in. Yeah. And I was so stubborn. Like, I was like, do not call the ambulance. Like, do not. So I'm sitting off the ice for about an hour until finally I'm like, all right, I can't go anywhere. Like, you got to call the ambulance. So finally, ambulance comes. By the time they get there, by the time I get to the hospital, by the time, like, they had they had me in uh, in the hallway and an ER doctor is trying to, like, rip my arm back into place. And he's like, I, I can't get it. He's like, I can't yeah. get it. He had to get me into a room, knock me out, and then... Finally, my arm was back in place, but because it was dislocated for so long and in such a severe position, I had so much nerve damage done to my shoulder. So like, I couldn't like feel like if somebody was rubbing like the outside of my arm, I couldn't feel it. And it was like, this is like really dull, a really uncomfortable feeling. And I went and saw an orthopedic and he was like, listen, he's like, you need surgery. He's like, you've completely shredded your shoulder. Um, but he goes, I can't operate on you until you get feeling back in your arm. Cause he goes, nerves are very like, you know, finicky. And he goes, if I cut into you, um, he goes, there's a chance that we could like do some permanent damage. So he's like, I have to like, and, and I can't give you a timeline on how long that's going to be. So amidst everything happening with my business, kind of what I thought was like falling apart, you know, my body's falling apart. Like, and I was, when I tell you what I, I was in it, and people who are like in it know what in it means. Like I was in it. Like no one wanted to be around me. I was miserable. Yeah. I was like, I was bitchy. I got sick. You know, like everything was going, what I thought was going wrong in my life. And I had this mentality of this stuff was happening to me. Like things were being done to me. And it's like, I like, you know, again, full transparency and, and uh, vulnerability here. Like I, checked myself into a hospital. I was there for 10 days. Um, you know, realized like I couldn't do this on my own. Like, yeah. I needed, I needed help. Yeah. Uh, I got discharged from the hospital. Uh, I entered a 12 week technically, it was technically like inpatient, but you're out, you're not like in the hospital, but like Monday through Friday, 9am to 3.30 PM, like intensive therapy for 12 weeks you know, and I like just, I just remember like seeing how much stress like that put on like 
Maria and my sister and my mom and my dad and realizing like the people that I surround myself with are like such solid human beings and here I was just like being a piece of shit because something didn't work out and I just remember like thinking to myself like grow the fuck up like literally grow up Emmy like this isn't happen this isn't happening to you like it's happening for you and it took me 12 weeks and hundreds of hours of therapy to like get to a point that I was like I'm never going to point the finger at anybody else ever again. Like yeah. I'm responsible for the choices that I make and every single choice we make, whether it's a good choice or a bad choice, like has a consequence. And I just remember like making that commitment to myself. Like I'm never, ever, ever going to allow myself to get to this point again, like for myself first, but then for all the people that have, literally believed in me and have never left my side since day one and day one is like my mom my dad my sister yeah. and now like in this next chapter of my life i have my day ones i have maria you know i have my really close friends and honestly those are the only like those are the people that keep me going every single day and on days that i don't feel like showing up and like showing up as like the best version of myself like I'm reminded of like I just remind myself if it's something I don't want to do it probably means I should be doing it yeah right like I don't want to do it it probably means I should be doing it and I and I I literally apply that to like the simplest things in my life every single day like I don't want to make the bed oh fuck it probably means I should be doing it you know, the garbage stand, the garbage is, is Maria put the garbage by the door. I don't feel like taking it out to the garbage can. Fuck it. Probably means I should be doing it. Yeah. Like, you know, every single thing in my life, like if I don't feel like doing it, it, I, I choose the, I choose the hard route. Like I choose the, the path of most resistance as opposed to least resistance. So. Yeah. yeah. It, oh, first like two things one appreciate your vulnerability um and two you're a phenomenal storyteller so i, I just appreciate you telling your whole story um you, t you tell it very well and it's, it's an incredible story um i guess i'm you know still like curious about how that your mindset has kind of changed from who you were you know a couple of years ago and i think we can all relate from being you know competitive athletes competitive people and getting used to kind of competing at this high level, like day in and day out. And then all of a sudden you, you kind of, you're in a different phase of life where maybe competing at that high level, isn't going to get you the same place. It could get you, you know, hurt on a hockey rink or, you know, different. So how have you, what do you kind of do now when you feel that tendency to maybe want to, you know, overextend, compete, win, and then tying it back to what all you've learned of like, okay, well, you know, I guess, yeah. How do you kind of balance that? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, cause don't get me wrong. Like I still to this day, think about like making a comeback. Like, yeah. <laughs> someday never comes. I'm gonna yeah. now. We're going for it guys. You know, and I do have, I have, I have my own personal goals of things that I want to achieve. I'm just, I don't think I'm as like, you no, know, I'm not as hard on myself. Like I'm, I'm hard on myself. Don't get me wrong. I, I, 
I can't be hard on other people and hold other people to a certain standard if I'm not doing that myself. Mm -hmm. And so for me, you know, I think the, the nature of, of who I am and like that competitive, I still train really hard. Like, don't get me wrong. And I surround myself with people that train really fucking hard. Like, I love the people I train with. Like, we go at it. Like, we go, we go hard. And like, right now, that's enough for me, right? Like, as long as I know that I'm showing up every single day and I'm giving my best, who knows what could happen? You know, like at this point in my life, like I've just realized that if you are genuinely showing up every day, just showing up and doing the best that you can, like kind of like going back to what Travis was saying, like that delayed gratification, like you don't know what can happen. So like, if I keep showing up and I'm training the way that I'm training and I'm working on weaknesses that I know that I still need to work on, like who knows where I'm going to be in six months from now, mm. you know, some, some competition might pop up and I might see it and I'd be like, Hey, like, I, I want to give that a try and I'll be prepared because I know I've been, I don't know right now that that's what I'm preparing for, but like, I'm just showing up every day and I'm just fucking going at it. I'm going hard. I'm doing what needs to be done, you know, but I'm doing it for myself, not doing it for some sort of crazy end goal or to get some sort of accolade or anything like that. Like I just really enjoy the process of showing up every day, holding myself, like I, I cannot have a successful business and surround myself with the right people if I'm not doing those things. Yeah. So like literally my life depends on me being the best I can possibly be every single day because that's how I pay my bills. That's how I feed myself. Like, and it again it goes back to like credibility like i can't demand or expect or ask something of other people if i'm not doing that myself and like that's you know i have a great staff like i have a great team of people that i surround myself with and like our core values are trust belief and own your shit like own it if you fuck up i don't care but talk about it like tell me about it like we're all going to make mistakes. Own your shit is probably like my biggest one. Like even like, and again, I, I, when I tell you that I like literally apply this, like the simplest things on the planet, one of my coaches asked, like when we first opened, he was like, what are the, like, what are the expectations? Like at the end of the day, like, how do you, and I was like, I want this place to look brand fucking new every single day. Somebody walks in here brand fucking new. And then, so now, you know, a couple months go by, like, we've been operating, things are going really well. You know, I have 4 a.m. wake ups every day and I'm at home at nine o'clock every single night, like sunrise, the sundown, like don't even see the sunrise sometimes. And I don't even see the sundown. It's just like all kind of blur. And I just remember being at the gym one night and we have, we have two rooms. So we have like our main group fitness room. And then we have like an auxiliary gym that like our weightlifting team trains out of or anything like that. And someone had gone in there to work out and like had put like, then there was like chalk on the floor or something like that, or left like a, like a box out or something. And I remember I was exhausted. I was tired. I just finished cleaning like the main group fitness room, like putting everything back, vacuuming, mopping all the floors, you know, making sure everything looks brand spanking new. And I went in that room and I looked at it and I was just like, I just don't have it in me tonight. Like, I just want to go to bed. So I went home and I went to bed, 
next day, one of my coaches comes in and he walks in that room and he was like, and he, cause he's the weightlifting coach. And he said, my room doesn't get cleaned. And I remember feeling like this, like at first I was like offended. I was like, don't fucking talk to me like that. Like, and then I just was like, dude, I'm sorry. I was like, you're right. I can't expect you guys to keep this place up to a standard if I'm not doing it myself. And I just remember like calling him later on that day. And I was like, thank you for calling me out on that. Like, because I can't expect those things of you guys if I'm not doing it myself. Yeah. And yeah. it wasn't, you know, like, it's, and it's so simple, right? It's so fucking simple. And so now again, every night before I leave, like I make sure like, how do I want this place to look? And if I'm not coaching one night and I'm showing up the next morning, how do I expect it to look when I walk in here? So like, that's like the standard that we hold and like the own your shit part. Like I knew I was wrong. I knew I should have fucking cleaned it. I apologize for it. And now I just make sure it never happens again. Yeah. And, I, and I thanked him for, and he, and he literally said to me, he's like, no, I didn't. And he was like, I didn't mean it like that. I was just fucking with you. I was like, no, I took it like that. And I needed yeah. to take it like that. No. Yeah, that speaks. I feel like it speaks to your trust point too. Like, if he would have thought that you were going to hold a grudge and we're going to like not like him because he said that, he probably wouldn't have brought it up. So it's just about you know building that trust within a team that, you know, him like him bringing that up or you correcting him or any of that within a team. Like, if you're coming from a place of love and a place from like we want this organization to be top notch, looking brand new every single day, you know, not like a selfish like, oh, I want you know, I want to look good. Like I'm going to clean up. Cause I want people to say like, Oh, you know, Emmy's on top of her stuff, but like, no, we're like together in this. So that's, that's, that's great. Yeah. I'm, I'm sure you guys ex- like have experienced that and like your units and everything like that. Like your lives depend on it. Like your life, your lives literally depend on you trusting that the person next to you has your best interest at heart and like is going to protect you and like is making decisions that are best for the team. You know, like that's, you know, I think everybody's core values should be that, right? Like, yeah, 100%. I, I would also the own your shit part. I mean, that transcends just, you know, gym life. That that's relationships. That's oh. that's every aspect of your life. And it's like, I've I've personally struggled with owning my shit before. And you know, you want to, especially when you're if you're in a relationship or like your friends and stuff. It's it can be easy to just be like, nah, man, like that's not me or I didn't do that or, you know, push it off and instead like owning it and be like, yeah, I fucked up or I had the wrong mindset on that. And yeah. the the ease of that once you move forward is like, it's so much better in the long run. Like, it's courage, right? Like it takes, it takes a lot of courage to be able to do something like that to like want to admit you were wrong or like people, you know, people just want to feel heard. You know, and if you're making people feel, if you're making somebody feel a certain way and they're trying to express to you that like what you did or what you said or didn't do or didn't say like made them feel and like, yeah, like the easy thing is to get defensive. That like, that's literally the easy thing to do is to get defensive. The hard thing is to like swallow your pride and just be like, I'm really sorry. I made you feel that way. Like that wasn't my intention. Like this is, this is where I was trying to and all. And then like, like admitting and, and apologizing, but then how are we going to correct it? Right. Like, Hey, like next time I'll, I'll be a little bit more mindful of like, you know, how that made you feel. And, you know, this is, this is what I should have done. And then like, you're, you're, you're recreating that in your head too. So like you're recreating these habits and 
it's all about just like, I just feel like life is just all about like literally learning from mistakes. Like we're all going to make mistakes and things that we say or things that we do. And it's like, I genuinely don't feel like anybody has ill intentions, right? I just think that sometimes people struggle with communicating and they struggle like their point that they're trying to get across or, um, you know, and then they just, yeah, it's just, if you're open to, you just got to be open to, to new ways of thinking and realizing that, again, going back to, you know, you're not as good as you think you are. <laughs> you just, you're really not like, you know, in anything. You really ain't. <laughs> you really ain't. <laughs> so. It's, yeah, stay humble is, I guess, the motto behind that. Stay humble. You're not as good as you you think you are. Um, I want to bring it back to two things that you said a couple minutes ago when you were telling that story that I I really resonate with and I really appreciate you saying is believe in somebody. The strength behind that is unbelievable. Just like the simple words like, um, you know, I think you could be good at this. Like the what that can do to somebody's mentality, um, whether it be running, weight training, uh, you know, studying for the LSAT, whatever you're whatever you're doing, is just unbelievable. And just like having I had somebody say that um when I was training for like to join the track team for Navy, the coach was like, Hey, I think uh he said some other stuff, but basically <laughs> I had to lose like thirty pounds of muscle and it's probably some fat too, but it's like, yeah, if you lost the weight, you'd probably be really good, really good at this. And I was like, <laughs> go. <laughs> I, am, I am cutting out carbs. Let's get this, baby. And, you know, was, like I had like a little fire underneath me for like six months just training for the, the track season. So, yeah, the power of that is unbelievable. And uh, another thing you just mentioned was uh, people, not price tags. And, you know, your accomplishments are amazing. What you're able to do in the CrossFit world is amazing, but that's not what makes you a great coach. That's not what makes system athletics the best gym in New Jersey. What makes, what makes it different from every other gym is like you and the time that you put into the people and not just seeing them as, you know, uh, this is $120 for a one person session or something. That's just to be clear. That's, that's not actually the price. I'm just <laughs> throwing, out, throwing out a number there, but you see, you see people as like who they are and their struggles and what they need to work on and how you can help them rather than the price you put on their head. And I think that's just unbelievably important. And I think that fitness and health and wellness has been my avenue and my vessel of being able to approach people. Because I, I, I genuinely believe that like what we do inside the walls of system athletics, like doesn't just stay within those four walls. You know, mm -hmm. it's, it transpires out into other areas of people's lives. And like when I get messages or text messages and emails or reviews from people and like seeing how system athletics has literally changed their life, like it's nostalgic for me because that's, that's what 908 was for me. You know, it, it literally changed my life. It changed changed the patterns like the story I told myself about myself right and you know it creates a new story and now system athletics has created another story and it's you know I think we people get stuck in chapters of their lives and they just don't want to again it's just being comfortable they're just so comfortable where they're at and they're not like cannot I, I tell people and I, I got this from Brian Maza 
you know, one of his sayings is nothing changes if nothing changes. Mm-hmm. So simple. And it's so true. Like nothing, it, nothing in your life is going to change. If you don't change something, you can't keep doing the same things over. And it's the definition of insanity, doing the same things over and over and over again and expecting a different result. Like you've got to at some point take a leap and do something that makes you severely uncomfortable. And sometimes it's not going to pan out and that that's okay. Like you just got to try again. And, um, you know, there's like so many like things that are like coming to my mind now, like things that people have said to me and stories that they've told me and like where they've like related this point of my life, where I'm at. It's like, you know, when I was still at Speakeasy, I was like a trapeze artist, right? Like I'm just hanging on the same bar, swinging back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. And you're hanging there and you're just, cause you're comfortable. This is, I, I like this, you know, you're scared to jump. You're scared to make that jump. And then when you're presented with a, a moment of adversity where like you're forced to jump, it's scary. It is scary as hell. Like you don't know is the, is, is there going to be somebody that's going to catch me? Is there a net? Am I going to grab onto the other bar? Like what is like, that's that anticipation part, like that middle where you're just floating in midair and you're just like, what's going to happen. And then ultimately, can I do this? Yeah. And then, you know, like that, that moment of like fear, you know, and then you like, you grab onto that, to the other, to the other bar and you're like, okay, fuck, I got this. And for me, it's just, I don't want to keep swinging on the same bar anymore. No, I was comfortable at Speakeasy, but I outgrew it. I outgrew it, you know, years ago. And I was just comfortable. I was, I was scared to take a leap. I was scared to go out and do things on my own because you're scared of like whatever, what people might think or like, what if I fail? Or like, you know, you get so comfortable and you're just like, this, this is working right now. Like, this is, this is fine. Like I can pay my bills. I can coach, I can do this. And it's like, yeah, but there's so much more you want to do and you're not capable of doing it. So got to jump sometimes. And so for me, it's like with system athletics, like I don't want to just keep hanging on the same bar. Like I'm going to always consistently be looking for other leaps and bounds that I can take and like making sure like, you know, uh, you can't really make sure, but hoping that there's going to be like another bar that I can grab onto another opportunity, another you know, and even if it's not an opportunity, like it's a learning lesson. Yeah. yeah. That's great. It's, it's scary. Uh, you know, I talked to, talk to some people and they, they want to change or they want to do something else and they talk about it. And I come back, you know, a couple months later, six months later and nothing's changed. They haven't changed the job. They haven't gotten out of the military, done, you know, whatever it is. And it really puts into perspective, like, you know, one, what are we waiting for or what are they waiting for? And then two, like, if you don't, like, if you don't deliberately make the action, nothing's going to change in the future. And like, you can, you can keep saying it, you know, for the, for the military part of it, like, Oh, I want to get out of the military. And then you get to the next duty station. And then the easy thing is to just keep staying in. But if you really want to get out, you got to make that deliberate action. You got to take that jump. You got to dr- grab them that extra, trapeze bar or whatever and then swing to a different area and yeah the action you have to take the action what are you gonna say that uh i'm just gonna say you know i guess i'm thinking about like your journey becoming a coach and i think it could be interesting just to hear any advice you might share to someone who's interested in like wanting to coach or open a gym at some point i think 
I think about like the relationship that most like college athletes have with weight training and, you know, strength conditioning. And I think it goes one or two ways. They either love it and they want to keep doing it for the rest of their lives or they hate it. And they'll either dabble with it just to kind of stay in a little bit of shape after sports or like they won't like touch it. They're like, I'm done. And um, I hear it. I feel like I hear it a lot from, from guys, especially looking to leave the military. They're like, man, open the gym. I'm one of these guys, by the way, like, man, opening a gym would be sick. Um, but there's a little bit of like uncertainty there or something. So I would just love to hear your advice for people that are interested in it. Like, you know, what advice you might have and um, maybe some good, bad and ugly of it. Yeah. Well, uh, the first thing that I want to touch on with that is like, you know, and if there's, if there are like a lot of current coaches that listen to this, this podcast, like my only message for you. And I actually said this to a parent this morning, stop using conditioning as a form of punishment. Yeah. Like that's number one, like conditioning is, you need to be conditioned to play sport. You need to be. And then for those of us that don't play sports, like you need to be conditioned for your cardiovascular health and, you know, just overall health, wellness and fitness, but like using conditioning as like a punishment, especially for like young kids or like people in college or high school like that, it puts like such this negative, like energy towards it. Like they don't want to do it anymore. Like, because it's like punishment. So like, you need to educate them on the importance of why. Like, and my big thing is like, the more conditioned an athlete is, like, then we're talking like athletes that like play a sport, the less mistakes you're going to make. All right. The more conditioned you are, the less mistakes you're going to make. The less mistakes you make, the more you're going to play. The more you're going to play, the better you're going to get. The better you're going to get, the longer your career is going to be. So like- Stop using conditioning as like a means of punishment. Like if somebody's late for practice, have a conversation with them. Like find out why were they late? Like, how can we make this not happen again? Like don't make the team run sprints. And like, you know, if it's a frequent offender, like, you know, maybe something else needs to be talked about, but like stop using conditioning as a means of punishment, please. That's Um, actually so interesting you say that. I I, I appreciate that. Yeah. (laughs) Right? Like, it's just like, And I was like one of those people, like I hated conditioning and now I like love it, you know, because like I love like that feeling of accomplishment. Like I love like doing hard things. Like, but like, I remember like as an athlete, I was like, oh, like I hated fitness tests. I hated like, you know, like the why was never really explained to us. Yeah. Our, uh, our, our high school coach made every conditioning test, uh, not even conditioning test, but every conditioning uh, at the end of practice, like a competition. And I'd say everybody at our on our team, for the most part, loved conditioning. I'd say the linemen were probably the linemen did not. I can as an alignment, <laughs> I can tell you we did not, but we you know, we tried hard still. Yeah. Yeah, but if we were running like sideline to sideline and back, um, they would go like hash and back and it would be like we'd have to beat them as skill players. So like I think they liked it, man. Like I yeah. think they That's cool. Was, along. Yeah, to your point, like I was like, Yeah, like this is actually pretty fun. And I don't think most people have that mindset and i i know most people don't because when i got to navy i was like yo this is terrible man like yeah. why are we doing this well also i, I don't know I'll, I'll bring it real quick too like like you kind of brought up like being position specific in a sense too like i i didn't love you know running like jogging stuff like that but when we would do like agility drills we would do like five ten five, you know change of direction i was a 300 you know 10 pound lineman but I can yeah. move pretty well. Like, I mean, I, you know, and so I could compete that way and I, I loved it, but yeah, like, so 
you know, and, and then at Navy, like on, you know, Tuesdays or Thursdays, whatever day it was in the summer, all the skill position players would be running like 70 yard, like sprints, like all this stuff. And we'd, we'd be doing like 10 yard sprints, like run 10 yards and jog back, which is, but it, it, it was <laughs> what, what we, is what we needed to do. And um, yeah, we could compete that way. And it's like, I think making it kind of specific to like what you're going to do and finding that, like what the why behind it and the purpose behind it was helped a lot. Yeah. Um, and then to like, you know, my advice to people that want to become coaches or, or open a gym, like, you know, I, it really bothers me when people say like, don't do it for the money. Cause you don't make a lot of money. Like, yeah, I mean, it's not, again, it's about people not price tags. It's not like, I just genuinely feel like if you're doing things for the right reasons, the right people will come into your life and you know uh, and i and i have this conversation with my with my staff all the time like we can you need to provide an experience for people like that's what people are paying for like we can like there's nothing ex- like don't get me wrong i love my programming i love how i program workouts i love why i program workouts i like give my community like what our specific goals are, like here's the strength cycles we're gonna be going into, here's what like our conditionings are gonna look like, your accessory work, like I give them like all as much information as possible. Like I try to vary, like have open communication with my entire like community. But like at the end of the day, if I program one workout and the gym down the street programs the same exact workout, like I want people to have the best experience ever at System Athletics. Like you need to provide an experience for them and give them like, again, it comes down to that belief. Like you need to believe in them, like that they can do better, that they can be better, that they are capable of way more than what they think you are. And again, we're, we're athletes. We've all had coaches and like, you know, we've, we've been in positions where we've we've been pushed by somebody. I like to think it was me and my staff, like, we're, we're coaches for adults right now, right? Like we're, we're coaches for adult fitness. Like we see something in them that they can't see in themselves right now. And if we can just pulling that out a little bit every single day that they show up, like we're doing our job. And so like for people that want to become coaches, like I don't care what certifications you have. I don't care, you know, that you studied this in college. Like knowledge is great. Absolutely. Like, and you need, you know, you need to have the right knowledge and you, you need, you need to have the right certifications and I'm not, you know, just discrediting that by any means. Like I love studying, I love learning and I'm, I'm always taking some kind of course um, to better my own knowledge. But at the end of the day, like people do not care about how much, you know, <laughs> they don't, they're not going to care about the scientific terms. They're not going to care about this. Like they, they, they want to feel heard and seen and that's it. And if you can do that as, as a coach, and like you genuinely love working with people, you will be very, very successful in this business without a doubt. Sup? I love it. I love that. Um, one more question regarding like coaching, uh, staying healthy. What do you think? What do you think is the biggest thing for? uh your athletes the people you train to stay healthy like are you are you a big believer in ice baths saunas stretching do you believe in stretching like <laughs> how do i stay healthy 
you know, I don't think that there is like any sort of prescription, uh, like a perfect prescription, right? Like I, I, I don't think that. I think that, um, you know, for my athletes, and this is, you know, when I work one-on-one with people, you know, it's it's a constant open dialogue. Like it's a kind like constant open dialogue. Like where are they at in their season? Um, you know, how much did they play in their game last night? Um, you know, are they traveling? Like, I need to know, like, I want to know all the details because then that tailors our training sessions or like, maybe I even say to them, like, or I'll tell their parents, like, Hey, they're doing too much right now. Like, I don't think them coming to me three times a week is going to be beneficial for their performance. Um, you know, but that's part of my job, you know, it's not like my, my part, like part of my job as a performance coach is to tackle every aspect of performance, not just the hour that I have them in the gym that day. So for yeah. me, like, I have my own recovery protocols that I like to do. Like, and I'm talking, like, I'm not just talking physically either. Like I'm talking like mental as well. Like I, you know, for me, I'm a huge believer in cold, cold water exposure, like massive. I think that that single-handedly has been one of the biggest um, contributions to, to my mental health is willingly exposing myself to cold temperatures almost on a daily basis for three to four minutes. And like, that is where I find like the most peace. Like I'm like extremely at peace. Like when I'm in the water, I can just focus on myself. Like I don't like, there's no, there's no busyness going on in my head. Like the only thing I'm focusing on is breathing, doing like what needs to be done. Um, So I think that a lot of people, and, you know, there's obviously like physical benefits that, that come from that as well. Like as far as like reducing inflammation, releasing dopamine, like all those things. But I think that um, willingly choosing to do something that you don't want to do, you know, and doing it anyway. Like, I think that there's a lot of mental um, benefits to doing that. Uh, I'm a huge component on sleep. Um <laughs> You know, that was probably like one of my, like when I was at a competitive level, like that was something that I was very, very um, diligent about. Like I was in bed, like I'm going to tell you like eight to eight thirty every single night, like that was cut off time. Like I didn't really go yeah. out, really, like, you know, stay out late. Like I, I get like seven to nine hours of sleep all the time. So I think that that is a massive um, contribution. I think that people have a massive misconception of what a warm-up should be like too you know i think that uh a warm-up should be exactly what it's it's intended to be to get warm like everybody at system athletics we do what i call a pre-fatigue and some people consider it a workout like i want people like sweating heart rate up um you know ready to tackle the workout before before the actual like workout or strength portion so like i I think that having like a very intentional and purpose purpose driven warm up um, is huge for like recovery as well, you know, like and and overall like health and injury prevention. So I spend a lot of time, and I and I really like again. I want to like say that my like the system athletics. So I have like my system performance, and then we have system athletics like our system sixty like group fitness classes, like adult group fitness classes. My intention for my system 60 classes is to train adults, right? Or kids 13 and older because I kids can be 13 and be in like our adult group fitness classes with their parents, how I train my athletes, you know? Because my job as a performance coach is 
injury prevention and performance. As long as I can keep them injury free, you know, we like we can work towards increasing performance. So through the, I, I take that same philosophy and I apply it to my group fitness classes as well. Like we're going to, I'm going to train you guys. Like I train my athletes, you know, it might not be as individualized, but we're still going to have like a very intentional warm up or what I, again, what I call like a pre fatigue. We're going to have a strength component. We're going to have a lot of accessory work and then we're going to have conditioning. So like where we differ from like, you know, what I've been in for the last 10 years, a CrossFit gym, we're not affiliated with CrossFit. Um, I, I love CrossFit. It changed my life. However, I found like a lot of loopholes. I think that there's a market of people that want to, don't necessarily want to do like the CrossFit style workouts, like the randomization, like the constantly varied. Like I would say that my conditionings are definitely constantly varied and we're still hitting every energy pathway and trying to train in every energy pathway. But, you know, my clientele is like, 30 to 40 year olds as far like 20 between like mid twenties to forties, like that middle age group where strength training is extremely important and like a periodized program and linear progression. Like, and that's how I train people. Whereas CrossFit, you know, you might have back squats one week and you might not back squat again for like six weeks. You know, like I have like a, like a very systematic approach to how I program and why I program. Awesome. That's awesome. I like Pat, it. you get you got any you got any more questions for me? Yeah, and I mean this kid like I feel like this kid like totally just oh boy catapult <laughs> us. So we don't have to go super deep, but again, just being someone who used to be in the cross, you know, I, I lift I did CrossFit for uh probably like three or four years pretty consistently. Um I'm just curious and I love just I still love training. Um and I know Travis does too. So I'd love to just hear a little bit about like what your training kind of looks like now and maybe even compare it to like, you know, when you're peak competition, how that looked. Um, Cause I am also curious. I know like for me, when I'm like training for like a specific event or yeah, I would say just to train for a specific event and I have like a very high training stimulus, it's really hard to kind of back off that once that event's over and like try to just find like almost like a maintaining type fitness. So curious like how like your training has kind of evolved over the years and and what it looks like yeah no great question um and again i think when anybody's training for something like super specific right like there there's an end goal there right there's like you know i'm gonna do this event or i'm gonna do this competition like that's you know that's the end goal so like your training volume might look different for that and it, it, it you might have to put like a little bit more quote unquote like effort towards obtaining that goal so for me you know obviously i was a high level crossfit competitor i wanted to compete at the games i wanted to do all the big competitions and in order to do that i had to train for that so and, and this is where i think that <clears throat> this is where i think that crossfit like really kind of like shot themselves in the foot was the distinction between the sport of CrossFit and CrossFit's methodology. Because if you are a true CrossFit gym, you're not doing what the competitive CrossFit athletes are doing because they're not, I'm telling you right now, they're not doing CrossFit. Yeah, They're doing bike, rowing, skiing, swimming, running for a session of the day. And then they're coming back and they're doing their weightlifting, their strength training, their skill work. Like, you know, and then like their, their, their Metcons might be something that you would see in like the open or the games, like to, 
to do those skills while fatigued, but you know, just like you go to football practice, like the linemen do the linemen stuff and they've got yeah. like very structured trainings that they need to do. And their lifts look different than the, the quarterback's lifts. And, and you're not just scrimmaging like the whole practice because right. you need to practice those specific skills independently. Exactly. So it's like the sport of CrossFit, it's the same exact thing. Like totally athletes, like we're talking like you're 1%, like the Annie Thoris daughters, the, you know, Laura Horvath, the, uh, Ricky Garrard's like those people, like, I hate to break it to people that might be listening to this podcast, but they're not doing CrossFit. They're literally doing probably four to five hours of training a day on like very specific things. Like, you know, working on their engine, working on their strength, working on their weightlifting, working on their skills, like, and then also doing a Metcon. So like, um, you know, that's what my training looked like. You know, you had to be extreme. Like I, I, and when someone would come to me and said like, I want to be a competitive CrossFit athlete. I'm like, I look at my watch. I'm like, when? <laughs> like, cause it's not just going to happen. That would be like me showing up to the WNBA practice and me like, I want to be a WNBA player. Yeah. No, there's like a lot of work that's got to go into it behind the scenes to like make like that. You get 10,000 hours. Let's go. Yeah, let's go right now. Like there's like a lot that's got to go into that to make that a reality. And, um, you know, I think that the sport of like fitness and CrossFit is, is evolved immensely and kids like people and teens are getting involved in it so much younger. And I think it's, I think it's amazing. I really do. I think it's so cool. I wish I started younger. Um, I wish I knew what I know now back when I was competing, I probably would have approached things a little bit differently, but, um, you know, to circle back to your actual question, you know, when I was training, I would wake up every single day around like 5.30, 6am. I'd be at the gym by 6.37. I'd have like an hour to an hour and a half of monostructural work. So like that would be like rowing, skiing, biking, running, swimming, something like that, where I'd like that was my only focus for that session, you know? And it, those, those training sessions would vary from like interval style to middle distance to long distance. And again, training every single energy pathway. Um, and then I'd go home, I'd have breakfast, I'd chill for like an hour, maybe two hours. Uh, and then I'd go back to the gym and that's when like my big session would be. And we're talking like a two to three hour session where I'd have, um, you know, a long warm up, some skill work, my weightlifting. So like snatch, clean and jerk, whether it was full snatches, just jerks, cleans, full cleans, power cleans, split jerks, push jerks, push press, you name it, anything in the Olympic lift category, I'd have that followed by some sort of strength training. So deadlift, back squat, front squat, bench press, press like your power lifts, followed by, <laughs> you know, my CrossFit conditioning where, you know, you're hitting the assault bike followed by dumbbell snatches or chest to bar pull-ups or bar muscle-ups or handstand walks and, you know, handstand push-ups followed by <laughs> my accessory work to complement my strength work from the earlier in the session followed by a cool down. Yeah. <laughs> How to get the cool down in. Yeah, I never, never did the cool down, but um, <laughs> and that's probably why I was always injured. But, you know, like, but now, and then again, like once I realized that like my competitive CrossFit career was dwindling, you know, obviously Travis, we did like the Ironman training together and it's very similar. Like I had a specific goal. I wanted to complete the Ironman. So like 
my sessions now were swim, bike, bike, run, run, swim, you know, and it would vary. And that was my goal. And that's what I did. And that's what I would do. And then from there, I built on that. And then I ran the New York City Marathon. Um, shortly after that Ironman, I just basically took that training from the Ironman. I just kept it going, but I made it a little bit more specific. And I just started just running. Uh, and then I completed the marathon. It was awful, but also everybody should <laughs> time um and then you know like now for me again I love training hard I just I love getting to the gym with my group of people and like putting our heads down and just going at it for like an hour an hour and a half you know and I like I I either most of the times I follow like my own program. So whatever programming it is at, at, at system athletics, like I believe it. So I like to do it. Um, and some days, like if I feel like I need a little more, I'm feeling good. Like I might pull some from, you know, I do still follow like a lot of coaches. I, I had a coach for several years that I'll pull some of his old stuff that I used to do. Um, if I feel like, you know, I've got a little bit more in the tank, but for the most part now, like my training sessions are an hour to an hour and a half. And it's just me and a group of friends that come in. No one knows what we're doing. Sometimes I don't even know what I'm doing. And I come in and I write it up on a whiteboard and look around at everybody. Everybody nods their head and they're like, let's fucking go. And we just, you know, get after it. Yeah. And like, there's no like, and I just love it. Like, no, there's no like complaining. There's no like, it's just, if it's on the whiteboard, it's getting done. <laughs> like, yeah. If you don't want to do it, you better yeah. not put it on there. Cause once it's written, it's done. It's once gone. It's written, it can't come off. And yeah. you know, and everybody, everybody knows the rules. Like you show up and you do what's on the whiteboard. There's That's no, cool. yeah. I, I like that. I, I had just a quick interjection. I had a, I had a long run this morning. Uh, I'm training for a marathon next month. So um, I had a long run this morning and uh I was like halfway through or so and I'm starting to pass some bird scooters and I'm like, man, this are looking so good. Like I could just jump on a bird and get home right now. Uh, it's well, something about it, but I guess the other thing, like one of my thoughts this week while running and whatnot, I got in my head, I've been kind of gearing up earlier in the week, like anticipating this long run on Friday morning and like kind of getting that, like almost like pregame in a sense, like I wouldn't say no about it's jitters, but just like thinking about it getting excited about it, like making sure that I was doing all the little things like throughout the week to make sure that Friday morning I could wake up, like execute the run, perform at the level I wanted to and whatnot. And there's just something about like continuing to train and like putting your mind towards something. It's like the same way when we were training, like had a game on the schedule and you're like, you know, doing everything you could to get ready for that game. Um, It's just something that keeps you like mentally locked in and kind of helps you like, you know, narrow your focus of, you know, what you want to accomplish. So I, I'm a big proponent for, yeah, continue to train. Yeah. I want to like, uh, you talking about that too, like doing everything we can to prepare, right? Like, and making sure we're doing all the little details and we're doing all the things, right? Like one of the biggest things that I learned uh, when I was at Rutgers um, playing there, our assistant coach at the time, who's now the head coach there, his name is Mike O'Neill. And I remember, I can't, I can't remember the exact, like what game it was, but it was a really big game. Like we were playing like a really big team or it was like, you know, it was a really important game. And I know, I remember that week of training, like leading up to the game, like it was immaculate. Like everything was perfect. Training sessions were on fire. Like 
everybody was doing what they needed to do. Like the team was so cohesive and just they, everybody was feeling great. And we lost the game. We lost it by one nothing. And I remember like sitting in the locker room, everybody's got their heads down. <clears throat> it's dead silent. And the coaching staff comes in, you know, and you're expecting to hear like, oh, you could have done this better. You could have done this. We should have done this, blah, blah, blah. You're expecting to hear a lot of stuff. And like, it's dead silent. I'll just never forget like Mike saying like, you're allowed to be upset right now. Like you guys did everything you were supposed to do. Everything you were supposed to do. And sometimes things just don't work out the way you want them to, even though you've done absolutely everything right. And then he turned it and he said, we're not going to come in here and we're not going to yell at you and we're not going to scream at you because we know you guys did everything that you were supposed to do. And he turns and he goes, you have, if you know that you didn't do everything you were supposed to do, you have no right to be upset. Mm -hmm. You know you didn't put in the work to get, like, just because you think you're deserving of an outcome doesn't mean, like, you did what needed to be done to have that outcome. And so I just, like, that, like, has always, like, stuck with me, like, don't be mad at the things that you don't get or don't achieve if you didn't put the work in to do it. Totally, yeah. Like you will all, you're the only, you're the only person to know if you actually did everything you possibly could. All right. And then again, there might be some times that you still did everything you were supposed to do and it didn't turn out. But then that goes on to the delayed gratification. Like, you keep showing up and you keep doing the right things, a better opportunity or a better outcome is going to come. And I like, I fully believe that. Yeah. Travis, Travis and my coach used to say, it just gives us a chance. He's like, we can do all the little things, right. We can, you know, eat the right meals, get our sleep, practice, right. Study film. He's like, it just gives us a chance. And yeah, that's it. You got to do everything you can just to give yourself a chance. Yeah. You gotta, yeah. A chance. I like that. I like that a lot. Coach Nehemiah. Yeah. Oh. Well, yeah, this has been great. I Travis, I don't know if you have any uh, kind of fine. We, we kind of call these rapid fire. It's not like a true rapid fire, but usually just kind of quick, quick uh, final questions. I don't know if you want to go there, Travis, if you have any. I have a couple, so. Yeah, I got two if you want to fire, if you want to fire first. Sure. Um, What's what's your favorite lift? Ooh, snatch. Yeah, there we go. Like that. Nice. I don't know, Travis, are you like, you know, not. Never not again. That was another <laughs> a sore subject. I don't know if you, <laughs> dude. Ever since the any even talking about you know the shoulder injury, where yeah, I was like, I was like over here, like oh god, <laughs> I don't know about that. Yeah, dude, snatches. I don't think I'll ever do a snatch ever again. Uh, oh. I'll, I'll do, I'll do a jerk, but I like snatch more than clean probably right now, just because my shoulder mobility. I'm fine doing a snatch, but like I. I don't stretch enough and like, I don't have enough flexibility to clean that. I, I just worry I'm going to like injure myself. I've heard of people, you know, catching it clean and breaking the wrist and doing crazy things. So I don't do either Olympic lifts enough now. And it's something I should be doing as a runner, but usually when I get in the gym, I'm like, damn, my glutes and my hammies are all sore. Like I don't really, my back sore. I don't really want to power clean. It's like, well, they probably are like need, I need to have a better relationship and it'll keep both of them going. But you know, I mean, I, I woke up, this is, last week before I, before I left I woke up and my arm was out like this my shoulders popped out and I was like yeah I'm not 
Yeah, no snatches. Yeah, he was like, I'm not doing snatches. <laughs> yeah, fair. I like rolled over. I was like, oh, God. <laughs> oh. All right. Fair. What about you, Travis? Uh, I really like, I'm really into deadlifts right now. Um, but deadlifts or squats, I, I love lower body. Um, and that's, you know, it's probably because my shoulders are pretty jacked up, but, uh, yeah, I just I I also love it because everybody else hates doing lower body, and it's not like I'm like super strong or anything like that. But I pride myself on having like really good form when I squat or do deadlift, so I really enjoy that. Nice, yeah. At you, um, I feel like I'm I guess just a meathead, uh, like. <laughs> Either like dumbbell bench and dumbbell row. Like I just love supersetting dumbbell bench and dumbbell row. Right. Hell so, yeah. I'll just go. I'm gonna go with that. Sublime. Love that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. Right. Travis, what, Travis, what question? Yeah. All right, Amy. Uh what's your go-to snack? If you're uh, like yeah, like any time of day. It could be like lifting, could be like after a lift, whatever. Like Nutella. <laughs> <laughs> Well, literally maria heard you guys and she came in here she goes you better say nutella that's okay. hilarious that's awesome i'm not surprised oh god funny story really quickly um i was like having like a bad day one day this is going back like months ago when, when every day was like a bad day but um and callie like i was like crying or something like that and callie was like in the kitchen and i was like callie can you give me the nutella <laughs> she just literally like just started dying laughing like i was literally gonna sit on the couch with a jar of nutella and a spoon and eat my fucking worries away yeah <laughs> just the visual like looking back on it like that was just so dramatic like can you give me the nutella and a spoon please yeah. <laughs> Incredible. Yeah, That's all. nutella and preferably with a spoon. That's what sounds. <laughs> like, I feel like that, that goes. Um, you said go to like snack. Yeah. Um, I feel like it has to. I eat a ton of Greek yogurt. Wow. Mm. I love Greek yogurt, and so if I'm like afternoon, I'm like hungry. I'll do Greek yogurt, maybe put a little protein powder in there to kind of, you know, make it a little sweeter, a little more protein, and then throw in some like mixed berries. Um, and then like the latest thing I've learned to do is take a rice cake and and crumble it in there to get some crunch. You got to try it out. It is so good. It's my go-to right now. I do love a little rice cake, man. Yeah. All right, Travis, yeah. what are you? Uh, the, so I, I've said this before, but the peanut butter pretzels, like yeah. the, but I've recently found the almond, the almond pretzels. It's like little, the same thing, but with almond butter. That's bougie, dude. Like three times the price, but well, <laughs> <laughs> it's so good, so good. You, do you have one more? Right. Uh, yeah, Emmy, do you have a book suggestion for for us and Team Sonica? Ooh book suggestion uh, you know i'm gonna i'm not a big book or audible reader. yeah i'm not a big i'm not a big book reader but um i do love uh podcasts oh so, hit us yeah um besides yeah, this one yeah besides this one um you no know, i think that 
Andrew Huberman, Huberman lab throws out like some of the best content out there. Like I really think it's extremely informative. I think that he hits like, you know, really, really cool subjects um, that, you know, I, I feel like Huberman comes out with like a podcast and like something informative and like, six months later like that thing is like super popular so yeah. like if you know, like, yeah if you yeah <laughs> ice if you want to like, know about like what the next like whether it's performance or health or wellness or whatever it is like listen to Huberman's podcast like try some of those techniques um I think that is um his podcast with Andy Galpin Dr. Andy Galpin was really yeah good. super good um, for people that are like really looking to enhance their performance um yeah and like his protocols that he follows with with his athletes and clients. And uh, another good one is Peter Atia, Dr. Yeah. Peter, who is, um, talks a lot about like fasting and the benefits of fasting and prolonged fast, like, you know, this, our typical intermittent fasting, but then these like longer 72 or 96 hour day fast. Um, yeah. So very, very cool. Very cool stuff. So did you listen, um, did you listen to his with, um, got david goggins travis and i were just talking about this so i had started it but i have not finished it yet it's interesting because it's like you know you were talking when you were talking earlier about the ice baths and like doing the hard things it you should go yeah. check out that episode because it just talks about like how there's actually a part of the brain that, that like trains and when you're doing hard things like it increases your willpower and will to live and like all these kind of things so that's that's cool and i the one i listened to on my run this morning was um he, I think the guy's name is Mike Voss. There's a book called never split the difference. Um, if you may have heard of, he used to be, uh, a negotiator. So like hostage situations, all these different things. And he, yeah. he did. So he wrote this book called never split the difference. And I got that on audible. I hadn't, I had not finished it, but, um, it was, so it was really good to listen to him with Huberman. Cause it was so cool. They're talking about the mental aspects and it's just a really good skill to understand too. Like we think about these large scale negotiations, but it's even just like, um, you know, trying to convince like, or yeah, trying to convince maybe a client to join or trying to like convince a team member to do one thing or the other, like, like how to work through the situation. So that was, that was a good one. Now, yeah. I, something that I wanted to, to touch up on and I, and you kind of gave me a segue to do it. Like a big thing that I talk about when I coach um in our group fitness classes and obviously like my one-on-one clients too, like not making negotiations with yourself. Yeah. You know, like in, in mm. a way, things start getting tough like it's really easy to let that like voice creep in like oh like you know just like take a break now and like you know maybe with a minute left like you'll push it a little bit harder or like you know like we make these we have these conversations with ourselves and I literally like every single day when I'm coaching like and I see somebody like it I feel like sometimes I'm like a mind reader but like I can see the the internal struggle that they're starting to have or like you know they'll go to start taking weight off the bar and it's like are you taking weight off the bar because you're scared you're going to get injured that's one thing or like you're feeling like something's about to tweak or you're like you know soreness or yeah. something like that. you're taking the bar off to make it easier and like i'll go up and i'll be like hey like we're not making negotiations with ourselves right like no negotiations like nothing changes if nothing changes if you keep going back to doing the same things over and over again and making things easier making things easier making them easier nothing is going to change so like mm-hmm. you know i like that negotiation like kind of mentality I really like try to drive home with my clients it's like we're not making negotiations with ourselves we're not settling for anything less than our best and our best is going to differ from day to day and it's my responsibility and my staff's responsibility to know when we can push somebody and when we might need a little like pull back a little bit and like that's 
like the big thing going back to like, if you want to be a coach, like people over price tags, like you have to build a relationship with these people. Like you've got to really know them and you've got to know like what, what makes them tick, what makes them push. And like, are you able to like read their energy as they're like approaching and coming into your class? Like, is this person like, you need to know like, okay, this person is going hard for six days. Like, I'm not going to force them to add weight to the bar today. Like, you know, they probably need it to, to pull back a little bit. You know, I have, I have to have these conversations with myself regularly about every single person that walks in my gym. Yeah. Every, so again, little tidbit for our coaches out there that want to, that want to become a coach. Like it's a lot of work. It's yeah. a lot of work, not just standing up in front of a, a class and reading a workout and cheerleading them through it. It's a lot of work. So I appreciate so. you saying that because I'm going to own my shit right now. And I made a negotiation with myself yesterday on my run. And I stuck with that negotiation where I was supposed to run eight miles. I ran seven because I don't remember what was going through my head, but it doesn't make sense now. And I think it was because like my mileage for the week was pretty high. And I was like, eh, yeah, what's one more mile? I'll like cool down on a bike. I I own that. That's me. Yeah. Uh <laughs> You know, I, Pat, I know you're like training for a marathon right now. I, uh, one bit of advice that I got when I was training for my marathon and I literally, I like approach this very, another kind of like little saying I say to myself when like difficult moments or like, you know, difficult weeks, months, whatever it may be, like stay in the mile. Like, don't yeah. think about what you have left to do. And like, Travis, I wish I was in your head yesterday. Like when you're in mile seven, like stay in that mile. Like stay in the mile. Don't think about yeah. what you got to do. Like stay in that mile. That's such, yeah, that that's mile. great. Right? Yeah. Stay in it. Don't think about it. all the ones that, that are coming. Right. Don't think about all the ones that you've done. Stay in that mile. That's a good point. Yeah. Tying that back to the, your, your, one of the first things you brought up, the clock doesn't stop. Um, it's like that idea too. like the clock doesn't stop as long as you keep moving as long as you keep putting one foot in the front of the other, like you're going to get to that end destination at some point. Like if you stop, then it's, you know, then you're not going anywhere. So just keep, keep chugging and you know, yeah, don't get too far ahead of yourself. It's great. Yeah. Sweet. All right. Anything else, Pat? No, that's, that's it. I mean, again, I feel like, I, we, we, like we should, we could do this again another time. And I want to you know, ask you all about, you know, fitness tests and all these different things, but you yeah. spread so much knowledge. And uh, again, I just appreciate your storytelling ability and your vulnerability and it's a hell of a journey. And I'm excited to share this with our audience and we'll make sure we tag like, you know, you and system athletics and all that stuff so people can find your pages. Um, but yeah, again, just thanks so much. No, I really appreciate the opportunity guys. I think that, I think your message and, you know, what you guys are trying to get out for people and the, the information and the content that you guys are spreading is, is good stuff. And, you know, obviously like Pat, we just met and I think you're awesome. And Travis known you for a while now, bud. So I I've, you know, from afar, I've really enjoyed watching your journey and your progress. And, you know, again, I want to thank both of you guys for your service and everything that you guys have done. So um, and that everything that you're continuing to do as well, I think that you guys are going to make a really big impact and, you know, keep going at it. And however me and system athletics, however we can support you guys, you know, we're in your corner. 
Appreciate that. Right in the uh, and we'll like Pat said we'll tag System Athletics. But what's uh, how can they find you on Instagram? What's yeah, what's the best way to find you? Guys? Find us on Instagram at System underscore Athletics. Um, pretty easy. Um, I don't have. I've got the the shirt on. I, don't yeah, have I like it. Um, these are there's our little logo. If you uh, see that around, all right, nice. we're gonna be taking over. Um, yeah, yeah. System Athletics on Instagram, and then for myself, um, it's at Simpkins underscore Emmy. Um, you know, I post a, a little bit different content on my personal page than on my business page. So, um, but the message is is always is always gonna be the same. Like, own your shit. Keep showing up. That's all you gotta do. Right Where can on. I grab one of those? You, you sell those sweatshirts online? Yeah, no, I'll send you guys some. Just uh, send me your address. Let's go. Swag. Swag, baby. Swag. Oh, I'm a, like Callie's best friend, Kate. Travis, you know Kate Kerr? Yeah, I know Kate. I'm all about the gear. I see you rocking the wristbands, so we appreciate that. Let's no, go. I, uh, there we go. Travis sent sent me one, and then uh, I bought one of the, the Navy hats, too. And I appreciate that another one was sent to me and I've got uh, a good friend of a good friend of mine who's you know who's dealing with like his own mental kind of like struggles right now and somebody that I like really really care about and like as soon as I got that second bracelet I'm like dude I gotta give this to him like that's awesome he's, that's he's really capable of like a lot and I think he's in his own head right now and I hope he listens to this podcast because you know he'll know exactly who he is and I just hope he knows that I believe in him. I love him. And, you know, he's, he's, he's got this. That's what it's all about. We'll, we'll send you some more too then. Sweet. Yeah. yeah. I've got, yeah. Um, I, I know like, I know a lot of my, my community is, is they're, they're going to listen to this podcast and they're going to, they're going to follow along with you guys and they're, I think they'll, they'll, they'll enjoy it. That's so, awesome. love that. Amy, we, uh, Greatly appreciate your time. I know you're super busy. Um, shout out to Atlas in the background rummaging around for some <laughs> snacks on the couch. Uh, we greatly appreciate everything that you're doing at System Athletics and the message that you were able to share with us today. A uh, couple tidbits, something I want to bring back up, believe in somebody, whoever it is, you know, for everybody listening, please just give someone the encouragement to keep pushing on. Um, and then don't make negotiations with yourself. And if you do, on your shit so that's all from Amy Simpkins right there Team Sonico we love you guys appreciate you listening and making it this far and uh, just remember someday never comes peace out love it. right on yes.